0: You're listening to The Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse. Reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Today, we get to walk in uh, someone else's shoes, and I wanted to walk in the shoes of Jonathan. And uh, Jonathan is awesome. Uh, I use the word friends loosely because we're trying to figure out what friends mean. Like, you know, you have this idea, like, I have a lot of, I have so many friends on Facebook I mean, many of you are my friends. Who, who if you haven't requested, I'll be your friend—the Facebook definition of friend—and just kind of, uh, if I know your birthday is on there and I'm paying attention, I'll say happy birthday, and we can be friends. But this idea of friendship and and friends—you know—that word comes from like an old English word in the 900-ish, 900-ish is is when the first time we really hear this word of friends. Uh, in the noun form, it's a person attached to another by feelings or affection of personal regard. Uh, Someone who gives assistance, a patron, a supporter. Uh, A person who's on good terms with another. A person who is not hostile. Well, that's good. A member of the same nation or party. Shalom, shavarim. That's what Brad Gray always says, or doesn't always say that, but one of my mentors, Brad Gray, no relation, um, it's like, hi, friends. they will say that You have to, like, on his, on his uh, walkinthetext.com. Hey, friends. Shalom shavarim. Hello, friends. As a greeting. Now, we are all f- not really friends in here. We're friendly. We might be Facebook friends, but friends goes into different levels. And I don't know if it does that for you, but it does for me. Uh, levels of relationships. I think we all have different levels of relationships. So uh, I'm friendly. I try and say hello to as many people as I can. And I want to know your story because your story matters. Your story is part of God's story. And I want to know so I can connect you guys to each other and find folks that have commonalities. And so I try and be friendly. And we have an environment of welcoming people here. And we want people to, 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 to fall in love with each other and the community, not the building not the speaker. Worship was pretty good. <laughs> I could fall in love with that today. You know what struck me today uh, as, I, as I was sitting here and worshiping and then standing back and watching, hello to those of you online as well, what it struck me today is I saw like the camera, 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 two lights, soundboard, there's multiple people in that room, all the things that go on to make this the best experience possible here, and for those of our friends that are watching online. And so I'm very grateful to our team and to our worship team. But when you think about friends, the level goes deeper. And so now I have friends uh, that I work with, acquaintances, uh, co-laborers, and people that know me, and those folks to get to know me a little bit better. And it's interesting how much stuff people know about me and I don't know about them because sometimes I'm transparent on the stage and you know and get to experience your pastor's failures and problems and things that God's working on me, but I don't get to experience all those things with you, but hopefully you have that. Hopefully you have someone in your life where the depth goes, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And we're going to see the model of what a friend that I would want to aspire to be like and that maybe many of us would aspire to be like and that many of us would really hope that we have. So you have your, your your acquaintances, people that you work with, and then I have my life group, and my life group gets to know me a little bit better. Dennis knows what I'm what my prayer request was for last week. He gets to get inside of my heart and see a little bit more, and he knows my struggles and my other and Tad, those guys they know my struggles a little bit. I can share with them. But because we spend more time, because friendships takes time. And then you have my elder board at church here. And not only are they my bosses, but they're supposed to know when your pastor's jacked up. And they're supposed to be able to help them guide me and pull me back and push me forward and do different things. And so I'm open and transparent with them. But then, and this is outside of my family, outside of my wife, but then it gets really, really, really narrow. And I am fortunate to have one or two Jonathans in my life guys that have earned the right to grab me from my deepest, darkest moments and to walk with me and to encourage me. And those friendships were built on blood. They were built on mutual sharing of deep, deep struggles. And that's Jonathan. Jonathan. If I want to introduce you to where uh, where this story takes place and where we're introduced to Jonathan, if we go on our timeline, so uh, we had uh, Rahab last week, which was in the beginning of Joshua, right? And so we, we go through Joshua and then we spend some time in Judges with the with these uh, with these judges. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second. That's where we are. We're in First and Second Samuel. In the order, and so this would be around 1,000 BC is when we're introduced to uh, Jonathan, and so Jonathan is is the model for me to want to be a a be like. The actual name, his name, uh, means God has given. Jonathan's name means God has given, and my question is, what did God give through Jonathan? Jonathan, you have a great name, Jonathan. God has given. And what has God given through this particular Jonathan? What did he give to us? So uh, let's find out more about Jonathan. He is a prince by birthright. So we are in 1 and 2 Kings, which means Israel has what now? A king. What did they have before? Judges. Right, And they had people that let him out of Egypt, but they want a king. And so there's this king introduced to the story, and his name is Saul. And Saul has five children. Jonathan is the Bahor. He is the oldest of the five. He's the boy. And he's, he's the oldest of that. He has, he has two other uh, brothers, and, sis- and he has some sisters. And so Jonathan, he is a prince by birthright. When we're introduced to him in the story, he's roughly 30 years old which is important because one of his best friends was quite a bit younger than him. We also learn that Jonathan is a believer in God, the Israelite God. And we find this out in 1 Samuel 14. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. He's talking about these Philistines, these people who aren't following our God. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. And then he says something pretty bold. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by man or by few. So he and his armor bearer go over to this place, and he's relying on the Lord. And uh, he gets to this place with his armor bearer, and we find out that Jonathan's a warrior. You're getting more excited about your name now, aren't you, Jonathan? You're a warrior. When we find out he's a warrior in 1 Samuel 14, 12, it says the men of the outpost shout out shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come over here and we're going to teach you a lesson. You get over here, we're going to whip your tail end. It's probably something very nicely that they said. So Jonathan says to his armor bearer, "Come after me. The Lord has given them up over to Israel. Let's go. Be talking smack about the Lord or about me. And later on in the text, it finds out that Uh, He and his armor bearer killed 20 men and a half acre of land. That was a bloody half acre. So we find out that Jonathan, he's a prince. He's next in line to be the king. He's the oldest son. He's going to be the king of Israel according to the way that this all should work. And he's a warrior. So warriors attract warriors or like to be around that. I think there's some thing that us guys really want and ladies really want is you want to be, you don't want to be a, a, a chicken flying with eagles. You want to be flying with other eagles. You want to be like-minded. And you think about these shows like, like uh, Band of Brothers. Anybody seen Band of Brothers? It was an HBO World War II. If you haven't seen it, this is an assignment. It's only like 10 hours of your life. But it'll be worth it if you like war movies. And you have this desire to be part of a band of brothers that would actually live and die for each other, that would actually keep their promises when they say, like, hey, if something happens to you, you're going to take care of my wife and my family? Yeah, I will. And they actually do it. And you see this, and you see it in Braveheart. How many people like the movie Braveheart? Ah, let's go. And you see this brotherhood that's building up. You see it in our police officers and our fire departments, or at least that's what we want. We want this brotherhood, like something's going on with one and they're all there. And I think it's something that we all want deep down in our lives. We don't want to be alone. And not only do we not want to be alone, we want to have somebody that knows us intimately and nothing to do with sex. That they would know our hearts and that we would know their hearts and that we could walk through life together. So Jonathan hears about this uh, David kid. So David, quick, David and Goliath's story really quick. David, shepherd boy, youngest of his brothers. He's doing the shepherd work. He's doing the, the, the sissy lala work. These the big boys are over here fighting or at least watching Goliath mock them. Hey, David, his dad says, go take your brothers some food. Get them some lunch and then come back and tell me what's happening. What's the story? And so little David brings lunch to his brothers. That's probably how he ran. Comes over, brings lunch to his brothers. What's, what's going on here? And the Goliath mocks all of this stuff, and he says all these stories. And I've been to the valley in Israel where it happens. It's not as big as you think it is. I have a stone from this stream that possibly was there when David picked up his stones. It's a great message on throwing your stone. And he's like, what's going on? And then they hear about what's going on in the story. And he's like, well, I'll go take care of him. And they're like, OK, little fellow. put on. You're going to go take care of him? Here's the king's armor. And he's like, I don't think I can do this. Let me take this off. That's very heavy. I'm very little. But I'm going to take these five stones. And I'm going to go out there. And I'm going to give him the what's for and the who's what. And he goes out there. And bang, you know the rest of the story. David defeats Goliath. And Saul, the king pretty impressed by this. And his oldest son is pretty impressed by this as well. And so after this story of David and Goliath, you have one warrior who sees another warrior. And we're in 1 Samuel 18. And it says, after David finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. He loved him as he loved himself. That's interesting language. Man, where else would we possibly hear this about loving someone else as much as you would possibly love yourself? Jesus, what's the first and greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we're introduced to Jonathan here, and he is pretty impressed with this little little kid named David, and he's quite a bit older than him. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. You don't have to go tend the sheep anymore, dude. You're a, you're a hero. You knocked out the guy that was mocking not just us, but our God. I'm pretty impressed. Mighty warrior, you Navy SEAL, you special forces. Like, you're the best. You're with me now. So when Jonathan made a covenant, interesting language, here made a covenant with David Because he loved him as himself. So uh, the covenant's not like a handshake. It's not like, hey, you're cool. You're cool too. I'm glad my dad liked you. He makes a covenant with him, a binding covenant of a friendship that, that I don't even know that I understand or we could fathom. And they make this covenant together with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan even went so far as to take, he took off his robe that he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt. He gave everything. He gave his identity to this little boy. Next thing you find out about Jonathan is that he is a hearer. He's not just... A believer in God. He doesn't just acknowledge that there is one. He is an actual hearer of God. Like, and that hearing of what God has for him actually causes him to act and do something. And we see this in 1 Samuel 23. Oh, yeah, by the way, little, little tiny part of this story I forgot to tell you. So Saul gets really jealous of David. Saul, they're coming, there's this great conquering thing, and they're like, Saul kills thousands. And he's like, yes, I do. And David kills tens of thousands. And Saul becomes a paranoid, looking over his shoulder, freaked out leader. Remember that time when your best friend's dad tried to kill you? Don't you remember? Now, like, not on the back of a boat when we were tubing and stuff. Like, I, my sons would say, my son would say that I tried to kill his best friend when they were tubing, you know, at 60 miles an hour, whatever. But like, really tried to kill you, like with a spear. Apparently, Saul's not that great with the spear because he missed. Uh, he misses uh, Jonathan, and he misses David. Or yeah, he missed. He missed both of them because they both were thrown. The spears were thrown at them by their by his dad and by his king. And so. Side note, Jonathan's on the, David's on the run. And David's on the run for a long time, and Saul promises, and then doesn't promise, and promises, breaks promises, and he loses favor. But David, or excuse me, Jonathan sticks up for David, to his dad, so much so that he threw, got a spear thrown at him. And he sticks sticks up to his dad, and he's like, why are you trying to kill this guy, dad? Why are you trying to kill my friend? You know that discussion you have. And then in 1 Samuel 23, 16, when we think about that, that, that um, Jonathan is a hearer of God, and Saul's uh, son Jonathan went to David at Heresh and helped him find strength in God. You know how most of your conversations with your closest friends is all focused on helping them find strength in God? Before the basketball scores and before the football scores and before the cool whatever things going on in your life and all those things, your goal is to help your closest friends find strength in God? Yeah, me neither. And he says, don't be afraid, David. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel. But that's Jonathan's spot. And I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made another covenant before the Lord and Jonathan went home, but David remained in. He understood and he heard from God what David's role is going to be. This is the very person that most of the time the son should be trying to kill because he's taking his spot. You ever have those friendships where it's a friendship of convenience and if something, somebody can get something out of that friendship, then you're really great friends and all of a sudden when they couldn't get something that they didn't want, they're not your friend anymore? That's the opposite of what's happening here. He's given up an identity. He's given up everything he has. And we're fast-forwarding to 1 Samuel 31. It records Jonathan's death. Jonathan is loyal to his dad, but he doesn't set up. There's all these stories as you go through this. If you read from about 1 Samuel 14 to 31, you're going to get the whole story. And you'll see these times when Jonathan is doing things that you and I would hope that we'd have a friend that would do for us. You think about it, it's such a moving scene. Two two men, one older, one younger, devoted to each other, warriors with lots in common who had hoped to fight battles for God, raise their families together, grow old together, are really ripped apart by an old, jealous, sinful king named Saul. You know, in Jonathan's honor, David took care of Jonathan's son who had clubbed feet. So this is a little different than just taking care of somebody. He took care of his son and treated him like his own in the palace and claimed him really as his own. That's how deep their friendship was. He protected and provided for his son for his entire life. So what are the differences? Think about David... And Jonathan, why would these unlikely pair be together? David was a shepherd boy. Jonathan was a prince. Jonathan had his own armor. David had a harp and a slingshot. Jonathan grew up in a palace and was trained in the art of war. David grew up as a little kid in the town of Bethlehem and was trained in tending sheep. Jonathan was the oldest son in line to inherit inherit the throne. David was the youngest of eight boys in line to what? Be the youngest of eight. But God had different plans for David. David's story is quite different without Jonathan. But despite their differences, these folks came together. They're best friends. They're soulmates. So what are the characteristics in Jonathan that you and I would like to see in our Jonathans? Again, what does Jonathan mean? Anybody remember already? God is? Yeah, God is given. So has God given you a Jonathan? Or a Jonathanette? And some of you are shaking your heads yes, and some of you are like hmm, I don't know. I don't know. Outside of your family, who would you absolutely weep for if they were taken off the face of this earth today? You know, one thing I love about Jonathan is he is submitted to God's will, even if it's fairly inconvenient for him. Even when his dad, the king, got mad at him. Even when it meant that he was going to take a lesser position and exalt somebody else and put them in a spot because that's what God told him to do because he was submitted for God's will to be done, not for his will to be done. And that's something I'm always checking on myself. Is it my will? Is it my will for this church or God's will for this church? Is this my will for my family or is it God's will for my family? He's encouraged David about God's plan in his life. Who do you have that's encouraging you about God's plan in your life? They're talking to you about that. They're calling things out that they see in you that are characteristics of God and maximizing those to move his kingdom forward with you. About true sacrificial love, somebody that's loyal. The great thing about a community is that We may not all have Jonathans. Not yet. But we can all choose to be a Jonathan to somebody. I'm going to be praying that God puts that on your heart. You understand this, this level of friendship is different. You're letting somebody in that's going to know you. Somebody's going to be able to sacrifice, encourage. So as you think about these Jonathans in your life, are you a Jonathan to somebody? More than our sports, more than our jobs, more than all those things, are you a Jonathan to somebody? And if you're not, let's start working on that. God, reveal it to me. Help me with my character. Help me. How can I exalt others? You know, I was doing the very pastorally thing and watching the UFC fights last night. <laughs> Thank you very much. And watching all these fights, and I just, my heart ached for this guy who who won. Because he's, he's fake. And he's being fake to build up an audience. He's being fake to build up a crowd and he has a Bible tattoo on his body, and yet he's saying things that we can't even repeat in here. Like, like, come on, dude. You're, you're like, take that off your body then. You're not submitted to the will of God. You're not, you're trashing your opponent after you trashed him in the ring And you're going after his family. That Bible verse off your arm, dude. Punch you? Oh no, that probably wouldn't work out good. (laughs) Probably wouldn't wouldn't work out good. Punch somebody for Jesus? No. Um, But I just think about how lonely. Like it just struck me how lonely that guy must be. And how many? If you're if you're a super fake friend, guess what you're going to attract? Super fake friends. If you're somebody with depth and character, and 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 you're just generous in your heart and your spirit, and you're calling people to be better in what God has, has for them in their life, guess what? It's going to happen around you. You're going to be like the people you associate with. Let's be a bunch of Jonathan's and Jonathanettes. Let's call out the potential in people. Jonathan means God has given. We're all called to be Jonathans. And we're all called to give. We're called to tell the story of what our God has done. And we're called to model it out the way that we see it modeled in scriptures. As we head to this time of communion, we're gonna, we have an open communion at our church. If you believe in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, we want you to take communion with us. If not, let it pass by got forest over here. Just raise your hand if you need communion. These guys will come down, get you taken care of. John 15. Oh yeah, by the way, so cool to see you bringing your Bibles. And for all of you that like to do your your Bibles digitally, that is 100% okay. Feel free to open them up, break them out. I know you can make notes and highlight different things on your Bible. So I know I'm ancient because I use this thing called paper on occasion. Um, But if you you like to to engage with the text, what's my heart behind bring your Bibles? What do you think my heart is? Like know God's word, have a plan, have it with you. Now, does it have to be on papers? No. Because hardly anybody would have been able to bring their Bibles to church in the 1300s. But engage with the text. Engage with the text, let it soften your heart, let it change your heart, let it, let it mold you and shape you into being somebody like a Jonathan. John 15, 12 and 13, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. This is Jesus talking. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. Where is God calling you to lay down? Maybe not your physical life, but maybe some things in your social life. Maybe some things in your work life. Maybe some things in your, in your heart of hearts that you need to lay down to have that idea of sacrificial love towards God and all of his people. Because we have a king who didn't fail, who isn't jealous, who isn't looking over his shoulder, who isn't, who isn't worried about somebody trying to take his spot. We have a king who came and laid down his life. And yes, what he would call you? Friends. Way more than Facebook Friends. And so as we come to the table, I want us to reflect on that. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you, Lord, today. We come to your your table that you've provided for us because you understand what laying down a life looks like. You understand our need for the Jonathan and Jonathanette types in our life. You understand what God has given us and how he gave it through you, and he gave it all. So, Lord, I ask that you would help us to know our, know our place and our, and our role in your kingdom, to know that not, you know, we're not all Davids, but we can be Jonathans. We can encourage people about their giftings and their talents and the things that you've put into them. We can encourage them about uh, engaging into the word Lord, show us this week. Show us how we can be more like your son, Jesus, and how we can be a better friend like Jonathan. So, Lord, we come to your table, table and it says, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. and When he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Oh, Lord, we remember your sacrifice. And in the same way, After supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in it, in remembrance of me. Father, we remember. Lord, I thank you how you're moving. Just in the the places that we just, even the places I don't see, but the places I see that you're moving, Lord, I am in awe of you. how you balance how you know my heart and everyone else's heart in here and how you hear our cries Lord we just want to we want to be more like you Lord I want to be caught up in your presence like the song we sang earlier it's an honor to sit at your feet Lord I ask that you would just encourage all of us as we move towards your purpose and the purpose that maybe we're called for here is to tell people about your son one person at a time. Lord, help us to, to be better disciples and help us to make better biblical disciples, Lord. And we can do that as we see and understand the model of Jonathan and what it looks like to submit to your will and to sacrifice and to love like you love. So Father, we just uh, dedicate this time to you. Help us. Help us, Father. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.